to make it possible for us to have peace. Through Jesus, through the Savior, it's possible for us to have peace. And now we want to spend a little time talking about receiving that peace. Uh, and, and I don't think it's right to just celebrate and sing and praise God for a Savior coming into the world who can give us peace and then not assimilate that peace. Uh, so we need to talk about this. And uh, I always feel a little self-conscious here because this part doesn't sound real Christmassy. Uh, I'm not going to talk about mangers and I'm not going to talk about cattle lowing and things like that. Uh, but what I am going to talk about is paramount to, to what God was doing when he sent Jesus into the world. And we're going to start with peace with God. Uh, I don't believe we can have peace within ourselves or peace in all of our relationships if we first don't make peace with God. Uh, you've probably experienced it in your, your life. Uh, if you are not at peace in your primary relationships, then you don't feel peace in yourself. And you may suffer in other relationships until you make peace in your primary relationships. And that's what we have to do with God. And so today I want to talk about peace with God. And then in the beginning of the new year, I'll talk about peace within ourselves and peace with other people. Um, I'd like to ask you to turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 7. Um, five, five chapters after the birth narrative, there's a great story of Jesus interacting with a woman whose name we don't know. We don't know who she was, uh, but it's a great story about salvation. We see the Savior at work, and it's a great story about peace. And I want to read it and kind of talk through it with you, um, and then we'll come back and uh, and make some observations, and we'll fill in those blanks if you picked up one of the note sheets. So Luke 7, beginning at verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she knew who he was. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Uh, the first question I have is, how'd she get in? Uh, and the answer to that is the houses, for the most part, were a lot more accessible than you could walk down the street and see in just about everybody's house. And they didn't have the same kind of feelings about that that we do today. And so it wouldn't be unusual for someone just to go inside. And that's what she did. My second question is, what is she doing with the weeping and washing his feet and wiping them with her hair. And when I read it, it feels like sorrow. 
It feels like repentance, but I don't think that's what it is because I've read the rest of the story. Uh, Now, maybe there's a note of sorrow and repentance, but that's not what Jesus calls it. So let's keep reading. 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner, which is really ironic. Um, because she is a sinner, but so is he. In fact, he manages to judge Jesus and the woman in one sentence. Uh, this woman is a sinner, and this man is not a prophet. Uh, and he's right about the one and wrong about the other, of course. Uh, these days, I always feel compelled to say there is a kind of judging that we are supposed to do. Uh, This ain't it, okay? Uh, But there is a kind of judging we're supposed to do. And if you're not familiar with that, jot down uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and Galatians 6.1, and that'll describe the kind of judging we're supposed to do. 1 Corinthians 5 and Galatians 6.1. But it's not the kind where you sit back and accuse someone else of being a sinner and accuse Jesus of not being a prophet, right? He's a sinner too. He's sinning right here. Verse 40, Jesus answered him, even though he was talking to himself, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, I did the math, and I think that comes out to about $90,000 and $9,000. One owed about $90,000 and one owed 9000 And I don't think it's a big leap to say that the $90,000 sinner is this woman who had lived a sinful life in the city, And the Pharisee, Simon, is a $9,000 sinner. Um, Now, he probably thought he was about a $9 sinner, but he was the $9,000 sinner. But here's the key verse, verse 42. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. Neither the $90,000 sinner nor the $9,000 dollar sinner had the money to pay him back so he forgave the debts of both that's the good news of great joy that there's a savior who is willing to forgive nine thousand dollar debts and ninety thousand dollar debts now which of them will love him more Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Now notice in the story, the first thing that happens is you owe a debt. The second thing that happens is the debt gets forgiven. And the third thing that happens is you love 
Forgiveness proceeds love. Love grows out of forgiveness. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? And I don't think he really did. I think he saw a sinner. I think he saw a really bad person. I don't think he saw a woman. I don't think he saw a human being. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, which would have been customary. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. That's another great verse in this whole story. Her many sins have been forgiven. Yeah, she had many. She had $90,000 worth of sins. But those sins have been forgiven as her love has shown. Now that's not a literal translation, but that's a correct interpretation. Her love did not earn her forgiveness. Her love showed that she had been forgiven. Remember, love follows forgiveness. In fact, the way Jesus says this here in verse 47, this is a little technical, but it's accurate. Her many sins have been forgiven. That's a verb tense that refers to something that happened in the past and continues into the present. And I think what that means is that this this woman had encountered Jesus previously and her sins had been forgiven. And she comes back on this occasion to express love for him. And I'm getting that from the way he words her forgiveness and from his story that shows that first you're forgiven and then you show love. I had a friend who thought this woman was the woman caught in adultery in John 8. And that's when she was forgiven. And she comes back to show her love. No way of knowing if that's who it was or not. But I'm pretty sure that she was forgiven previously. And now she comes back to show her love. And Jesus reaffirms her forgiveness. It's interesting the way 47 is worded. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little which you would think would be Simon, only he doesn't apply it to Simon. He makes it third person and he says, whoever. When he talks about the woman, he says, her many sins 
have been forgiven. But the flip side is whoever, which kind of makes me think maybe Simon's sins had not been forgiven because he just makes it general there. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Uh, this verse is not translated literally. This one also literally says, your sins have been forgiven. And you can look that up in the New American Standard, and it'll read that way. Uh, but he's affirming again that her sins have been forgiven. 49, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Which might make you think she's being forgiven just at that moment. Uh, but considering the whole rest of the story, I think they are impressed that he can do that. But I don't think that that's the time when he did it. I think he had done it previously. And then in verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Same verb tense, happened in the past, results into the present. And this takes us back to the birth narrative. Jesus sent us save, I mean, God sent Jesus as Savior into the world. And this is the Savior at work. And now he affirms her again, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and a little bit of peace came to the earth because this woman now had peace with God now let's fill in the blanks if you picked up one of the note sheet the way I, I wrote this out is from this event we learn that peace on earth comes from five things number one it comes from humbly recognizing that we have sinned against God. This woman had sinned against God and she knew it. And that's why she approached him before. Um, and we'll save the rest of it for a little bit later along. Um, this is not really spelled out in this account, but we do need to know that sinning against God really matters. I guess the story implies it because the story Im, Im, implies it by saying that you incurred debt. Uh, you come to have debt with God because of your sin. Elsewhere, the Bible will say you're alienated from God. Uh, sometimes even hostility with God because of our sin. Don't make light of sin. Uh, don't be that jerk who has an affair and then tries to say, it didn't mean anything. Well, I guarantee you it meant something to your spouse. Don't, don't try to downplay sin with God like that because it alienates us with God and it robs us of peace. And we're not going to have peace in our hearts and there's not going to be peace on earth. Until we get that relationship reconciled. Number two, on the back side of the sheet, admitting that, how does peace come? It comes by admitting that even though some of us have sinned more and therefore owe God more than others, none of us 
is able to repay. None of us is able to repay. Maybe you're a $90,000 sinner. Maybe you're a $9,000 sinner. Uh, You're not a $9 sinner. There are no $9 sinners. Uh, But it kind of doesn't matter whether you're a $90,000 sinner or a $9,000 sinner. You can't repay. Um, I hesitate to say this. If this bothers you, uh, tell me later. Uh, I'll I'll try to fix it after I say it. Uh, This is not an illustration of what God is like, okay? But if you owe the mafia $90,000 and can't pay, or if you owe the mafia $9,000 and can't pay, it doesn't matter, okay? And I'm not implying that God is the mafia. That's the part I hesitated about. But God is just. And he can no more overlook a $9,000 debt than he can look over a $90,000 debt. Uh, perhaps I should have stuck with my original, which is if your ship goes down in the middle of the ocean and you're swimming to shore and you make it to 9,000 feet from the shore, you're no better off than the people make it 90,000 feet from the shore, right? Uh, the justice is going to be bad either way. So we need to recognize that we can't repay. But number three, peace comes from looking to God to forgive our debt. And that's the good news of great joy. A Savior has come, and we just saw him at work, and the Savior works by forgiving people. We celebrated that at the Lord's Supper, and he forgave this woman, and then he reaffirmed his forgiveness of her. Don't Try to take care of your sin by denying it. Don't try to take care of your sin by making light of it. Don't try to take care of your sin by blaming it on others. Don't try to take care of your sin by making up for it. You can't do any of those things. All you can do is take it to Him and ask Him to forgive it. And the good news is, he's a savior. He wants to forgive it. He wants to make peace with you. So go to him and make peace. Now, if you picked up one of the note sheets right there on number three, I list out uh, several passages in Luke's sequel, also known as the book of Acts. That's Luke volume two where after Jesus died and ascended back to heaven, raised from the dead, uh, they went out and preached peace through Jesus. And I give you several passages that describe the way they preached peace through Jesus and the way people made peace with God. Uh, You don't make peace with God on your own terms. He's offering you a way, terms of peace. And you need to grasp those terms. You need to grasp his death and his resurrection. And you need to put your faith in him and turn away from ignoring him 
and embrace him as your leader and Lord and be baptized in his name. And then you can have peace with God. And so I encourage you to read that if you haven't yet made peace with him. And I might add, if you have made peace, but you've kind of gone astray from that, uh, you kind of need to keep making peace with him. Uh, and we can talk about that if you want to. Number four, uh, peace comes from grasping the enormity of our debt and truly appreciating the generosity of our forgiveness to the extent that it creates great love in us. Great love. This text says that she had great love, or she loved much. Where did that come from? It came from, it came from great forgiveness of many sins. And you can tell that she got it. She's feeling powerful emotions. Emotions are not always accurate. But emotions almost always tell the truth about what's important to us. Uh, When a non-fan and a fan watch the same game, the fan is going to feel more emotion than the non-fan. And the difference is it's important to the fan. Our emotions at least tell on us as far as what's really important. And this woman is being told on in a good way. You can tell that she knew she had enormous debt and had been forgiven of enormous debt. And so it created great love. How many of you think we Christians need to have more love? Don't you think we ought to have great love? Don't you think we'd have a much more powerful influence on the unbelieving world if we had great love? Well, this is where great love comes from. It doesn't come from lecturing yourself on the need to have great love. It's right there at our fingertips. And if there happened to be any lower-end $9,000 sinners among us, even that is a huge debt. You don't want that bill in the mail, do you? If that's what you've been forgiven, pray that God will help you grasp the generosity of being forgiven even a $9,000 debt. And I've got a feeling for most of us, myself included, it's up there in the five digits, if not six, not counting pennies. Okay, uh, so uh, this account tells us that love emerges when we grasp the enormity of our debt and grasp the generosity of his forgiveness. Let me say it again. Pray that God will help us grasp that. Um, pen and paper are not going to help your heart see it. It's going to take God to help our hearts see it. And then number five, here we are, full circle. Peace comes from going in peace once we have made peace. 
with God. And that's what this woman did. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, and that means acquitted, we've been acquitted by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And we stand in grace because of Jesus, our Savior. And so when we make peace through the cross, or we accept the terms of peace through the cross, then we have peace with God. And that will lead to peace within ourselves, and that will lead to peace with other people. Again, topics that I'll return to next year. What if this woman had never met Jesus? What if she had just gone on living her life of sin, accumulating more and more debt? That way of life heads a person for destruction in this life as well as in the next. But thank God she got to meet the Savior and make peace with God. And I believe we're going to meet her in heaven and we can find out what her name is. And that is, you know, assuming, of course, that we make peace with God Uh, which is my encouragement to all of us. On Wednesday night, uh, sure enough, Brandon's band performed. Uh, If you weren't weren't here, ask somebody what that means. Uh, And there was a lot of other singing, and we, uh, near the end, we sang Amazing Grace to the tune of Peaceful, Easy Feeling. And we sang the chorus, I've got a peaceful, easy feeling. And I do believe that God gives us a peaceful, easy feeling. Maybe not all the time, uh, but he does give us that. But I want to make sure we all know that it's not just a peaceful, easy feeling. And I'm real sure that now that we have confiscated those words from the eagles, we mean a whole lot more than that than what they meant what they meant by that because the peaceful easy feeling that we can have is based on the deep reality of you and me being reconciled to the creator Based on that, we can have peace. And so we're going to sing, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. And we're going to, the song will jump ahead to the next couple of sermons. But don't forget today's sermon. Uh, Peace on earth begins with me making peace with God. And if you need to do that, or if you've got something else going on today, and you want to talk or pray with someone, we'll have some shepherds and their wives at the back. You can catch them now while we stand and sing. Mm-hmm.